This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, senior JU Israel educator Michael Unterberg, and today, joined as always by co host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Good to go, Mike. Uh, I am a little, nobody ever asked me how I am. I got, I got a bit of a cold. We mentioned it last week. Yeah, we did, but <laughs> only because I bring it up. I see who you guys care about. And today we are also joined by Israel educator Matt Lippman. How are you, Matt? Oop, I, just... I, I'm concerned about your welfare, Michael. Well, thank you, <laughs> that's Matt. That's how I am. I've been that's... worrying about you. Okay, I don't believe you, but I guess I set you up for that, so that's on <laughs> me. Uh, today's topic is, I think, uh, somewhat broad. I don't know if you can call it a meta topic, but we want to discuss the problem that Generation Z, however you want to define there's the, how do you define the millennials? There's post-millennial. Uh, uh, born up until and including 95 or millennials. Right. And then, After that is Z. So we are teaching. Z. Gen Z. And we are finding that there are real problems in terms of Israel identity. I wanted to define those problems. To me today, that's more important than even coming up with uh, a prescription is the diagnosis. Okay. And, well, I mean, we, that's how all, right, the, uh, certainly thinkers, but certainly the Zionist thinkers worked, right? They said, uh-huh. okay, what was the problem? And according to how they analyzed the problem, then they came up with a solution. So therefore, Herzl, who saw the problem as anti-Semitism, understood the problem as a safe haven. So then you could consider a safe haven anywhere, mm-hmm. potentially, right? Um, because the problem is because the problem anti-Semitism. Is anti-Semitism. So therefore, we need a shelter that's a haven. Yeah. For some, the problem was... The, the national dispersion that needs to be repaired, that would more or less have to be... Right. I guess it wouldn't have to be, but no, it would have to be but in the more, But those who felt it was a cultural thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's like Am, who understood that the with the culture of the Jews was disintegrating with the advancement of emancipation and, and everything that was happening then, said the only way you could really have a culture in this day and age is if you have a national homeland, mm-hmm. essentially. So the cultural Zion said, no, the national homeland, whatever state it takes mm-hmm. needs to be in in Palestine at the time or, right. or and so, Israel. So what we are doing is yeah. we are using the Zionist method, right. which is diagnose the problem, articulate it, unpack its elements, and then we can talk about what we think the solutions should be. Right. And if they don't seem like they're obvious or right in front of us or um, aren't something that we're already doing, well, that doesn't mean that that that, that we shouldn't take those steps. Right. It means that if we don't, in fact, it means if we don't take those steps, then the problem is just going to get worse and worse. Right. So I think it's interesting for us to have this conversation now to see, because I'm sure the three of us will have different perceptions of what the problem is. Um, so let's, not. Fi- let's find out. Um, I also think it's interesting to note, again, to to just reinforce, which of course I'm sure our listeners know, is that we have a particularly interesting perspective because we are dealing with those who are the most identified and connected. Mm-hmm. Those who actually have given uh, of their, their they want to be in Israel for a year. Our and day so, job is teaching students who, for their gap year, leave the diaspora, come to Israel to study for at least a year. Right. So that's a pretty connected. And then in whatever population. institution they're in, and this year we're doing how many institutions? Uh, Twenty-five, something like that. Yeah. So then in many of them, it's not a mandatory course. So many of them come to talk about Israel and Zionist identity in our course. So we are dealing with from, I mean, it's, it's, it's not exactly a random sample, but it should be a very committed sample right. of, 
Israel awareness, knowledge, connection, passion, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I would diagnose the problem. And, 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 and by the way, we're, we're, we're not going to only talk about our students. In fact, we're not, no, I don't no, know no. that we primarily will be talking no, about No, but I'm just, students. that's our frame, like our frame of reference. I think that's our interface. Put out. Yeah. yeah. Our interface are with the, I guess, Israel elite of Gen- Jewish Gen Z. <laughs> right? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sarah Matkal of uh, Gen yeah, yeah. Z. Yeah, the, okay. yeah, the, the cream of the crop of the Jewish Gen Z when it comes to Israel identity. So I, I, would, I would diagnose the problem as having uh, two primary elements. And they, they fit in, by the way, it's not just Gen Z. It fits into a broader, you know, every, a lot of people are talking about the, the drifting apart of the Israeli Jewish community and the, certainly the North American Jewish community which is the largest non-Israeli Jewish community. And I think that at Gen Z, we're seeing certain aspects of that same broader problem. But one of them is a a genuine misunderstanding, a a feeling of connection to Israel, a feeling of even a sense of belonging. It has a connection to them and a relevance to them without understanding what Israel is or why it is. So that feeling of relationship without understanding the other is a funny sort of, it's relevant to me, but I don't really get it, is one side of the problem. And the other, I would say the other side of the same coin is that they are con- more or less, not I mean, constantly is an exaggeration, but frequently given input that frames Israel in negative terms, that frames Israel as uh, evil, criminal, uh, certainly not living by the values well, right. Well, dual people... channels, because they get one one. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, like, let's say in the home environment, right? The school, the home, the plate, right? They're getting this very positive Israel uh, connection for the most part, and then, but they see in the outside, there's a lot of controversy surrounding it and a lot of negative. So information. I see, see. To me, I don't. Th- okay. So how how do I like? I don't think that that's two different perspectives on Israel in their head. I think that would be sort of like, and I'll make, I don't know how good this analogy is or how appropriate this analogy is, but like if somebody went on and on about how funny Bill Cosby was, I think in 2019 and like, oh, you got to listen to this album. It's so funny. And, you know, he did this show about young people growing up and, you know, he's given so much money to charity and and you can hear all those positive things about Bill Cosby. But that's not how Bill Cosby is framed in the public consciousness in 2019. All of those positive things may be true, but because on the pass-fail scale of, do I consider this a positive person? He fails. See, I, I would disagree with that. I think I'd, I'd your analogy. I agree. I, 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 you I get would, my analogy. Yeah, but I disagree with it also. I, okay, I would so swing I, much closer to what towards what Alan was saying, mm-hmm. um, because and the reason I feel the analogy breaks down is because I'm not sure that they have that. But in their heads, right? That Bill, Bill Cosby is an also great guy, but I don't think that the majority of our students have that. Israel is a great place, but actually, I can't be so into it. Kind of thing. I think what they do is they take that information about Israel, the positive information they receive, and when they hear negative information, they kind of put the wall up mm-hmm. and they say, "Okay, I don't believe that. That's not true." Mm-hmm. So when they walk into my classroom, for example, and some of what they think is not true or isn't so bad. And we discuss that, and we ex- and we expose like some of that. They're like, "Oh, well, okay." Now I have to consider it more deeply, as opposed to saying anything. Th- there's like a knee jerk reaction, right? Yeah, anything I, yeah. comes from United Nations is bad. Anything that comes from uh, CNN is bad, right? There's a, sort of that knee jerk reaction um, in terms of its coverage of Israel, right? But so once 
they try and dig deeper and understand it. Don't think of it as immediate anti-Semitism. Think about where it's coming from and try and understand it. Then they take a more considered approach. No, I think that's true. But I, I think you're just describing another side of the same issue, which is they're not they're not hearing issues in balance. They're hearing they're saying one side is valid and the other side isn't. And they may, you know, a Jewish student may weigh on one side or the other, but they're not. They're not listening to. In other words, they may say, "Well, Israel's just terrible. I don't care how many irrigation dripping things they have," or they may say, "What do you mean? It's the country that invented the country that invented irrigation dripping. I don't know why the news report is lying about it." I think the majority of our students are in the category of not thinking. Uh, I can't remember which way around you said it now, but uh, the majority of our students are in the category of thinking, oh, Israel invented irrigation. I don't know, why isn't anybody talking about that? Yeah, uh, that's, that's the, to me, that's essentially the same phenomenon. They don't have a well-integrated understanding of Israel. And I would argue that there still exists, even among many of those students, a certain dissonance, a certain disquiet of, I know I must be right, because I, I know enough about Israel to know that it's genuinely good, but I don't get why I think I'm right. And I know there's only so much lying they can be doing outside. There must be some true information, and I just don't get it. Yeah, I think most of our students are on that level as opposed to, um, yeah, we get those, as anything comes out of that UN is bad, we get those things. But I think most of our students understand that there's a complex story that they don't get, and that that's hard for them and confusing for them. Um, meaning, yes, they have a positive image of Israel and they want Israel to be positive, and it should be, but there is this nagging voice. I would argue I think, that they come to us, many, again, we're generalizing, right. but many of them come to us for, I know we're right, can you explain to me why we're right? Because I have nagging questions, because I've heard that we're not right. Right. And and we're saying, well, yeah, we have we, we, we are in the right, but it is complicated. See, I, I find those students who come with that approach that you just described of saying, I know I'm right, I want you to explain to me why I'm right. When I begin to feed some of the the wrong, as it were, or the things that maybe aren't Problematic. so amazing, then the wall goes up again. Then they're like, okay, that, that can't be true. Well, hang on, you came to me because you're trying to understand complexity, but as soon as I introduce some complexity, you want it black and white, and it can't be. Yeah, that is it. But 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 let's. See, I want to get back to what you're saying. You we really feel the core problem here because it is is really the lack of understanding, mm -hmm. lack of comprehension what Israel mm -hmm. is, lack of literacy mm -hmm. in Israel, mm -hmm. the inability to read an Israeli newspaper or to. They right, don't know. Engage. They don't know basic history, right? You know, when you look, and and part of the issue is if you look in 2019 and you see a mighty Israeli power and you see a weak. Palestinian people, and you look at that conflict and you go, well, you know, that's terrible oppression. And why do we have a, without understanding any of the background of how we ended up here. Right. So that's a very different conversation than somebody who does get the history and the background. And, 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 you know, so that lack of, of awareness and understanding is, I would argue, long term, pretty crippling. I don't know if you guys have this experience, but I find very often students completely confuse the War of Independence with the Six-Day War. Like yeah. They completely confuse the narrative, they confuse the history, they confuse the result yeah. of what happened and, and what, where it brings us to today. And when you're confusing those two things, then also, as you say, like it, it, it's crippling. Yeah, imagine an American student who can't remember which war George Washington fought in. Was that the War of Independence or the Civil War? Or the War of 1812. Right, like... <laughs> 
Like really, if you don't, if you're not holding at that, then, and I have that, I also have that frequently. Right. Uh, I, I also had it when so, I taught a- ancient Jewish history, and you know, like Greeks and Romans were interchangeable, <laughs> and Babylonians. Right. Like so, who destroyed the Second Temple? The Babylonians. Which, which is the war about? Like the you know about that place that we sort of are now in. Like they, they where we attacked, it. we attacked the Egyptians so gonna, first in the war. So of I want right, exactly. to push back a little bit on this. I want to push back on this a little bit. It, it, you're uncomfortable because really me and Mike agree for once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does it really matter that they're mixing up 1948, 1967? Is that the fundamental thing that's missing in their in their knowledge understanding of Israel? No, that's a symptom. Right. That's a symptom. If you can't do that that's that's a litmus test. In other words, if you're not holding the timeline of the evolution of the Jewish state well enough to know, you know, Ben-Gurion, you know, Ben-Gurion 48, Levi Eshkol 67, it's different time periods. The history of Israel is such a mush to you. It's simply trivia. It's it's data points without any coherence then you're very disarmed when it comes to having an intelligent conversation of Israel, which, by the way, is 98% of what you see in the media. You know, I don't, I, whether or not there's an anti-Israel bias in particular in the media, whether the narrative framing is against Israel unfairly, and those issues are sometimes very real and sometimes they're not, there's an enormous ignorance when they talk about these issues in the media and that lack of understanding, and I would argue just about anything talked about, certainly on television, news media, reflects that same sort of ignorance of context. So, and and so when so, you- So when, is it a problem, like, is it, is it a bigger problem in general in law? Like how many really students are holding in American history, you think? Basics? Uh, yeah. Most. Yeah? Yeah. With all due respect to Jay Leno's little segment he used to have on The Tonight Show, if you ask most Americans, was George Washington in the Revolutionary War or the Civil War? No, okay. But Certainly say, our yeah, students yeah. know that right. George Washington was the Revolutionary War. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But, like that, you know, you might know. Who, events of the 20th century. I find students wholly very lacking, certainly in European, yeah? who is the president? European history for sure. Okay. But if I ask you who know? was the president during World War II, was it Franklin Delano Roosevelt or Bill Clinton? Right. That's not a hard question. Right. We hope it's not a hard question. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> right. I, I just don't believe that most of our Americans do. In other words, look, to have literacy in your own nation history doesn't mean that you are an expert at history. It doesn't mean you're a history buff. It doesn't mean you know historical trivia. But you have a reduced, simplified narrative of the flow of events that define your country's identity. And and that's exactly the point that I think... That's exactly the point. Our students would not feel necessarily they're part of the Jewish nation. Like they're Jewish in one... They feel very Jewish in one sense, but when it comes to a national identity that that's part of my history, well, it happened in Israel. I grew up in New York, so okay. They don't have that basic narrative. Forget the historical detail. The basic historical story, the narrative about their homeland. They don't think they don't know it, and don't think they need to know it, and don't think it's theirs. Because that I mean, affiliation is not there. That's exactly the point. They yeah. don't feel that affiliation. I, 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 th- I think we have to go a little bit further, and I think we're both getting there. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't limit it to the homeland, but the Jewish story, right? Oh, that's because, a whole other thing. I know, but that, but that's really <laughs> it because that that is a whole other thing. But that that if we see Zionism as a continuation of the Jewish story, yeah. So then you need to know that continuation. If it's something new, which people try and often argue, right? Oh, right. I mean, that's the, one of the big claims against. Right. Sometimes when we have a, a, a Palestinian speaker come into our class. 
his big claim is, oh, the Jews are, oh, oh, Jews were always here. I have no problem with the Jews. It was the Zionists who came right. and made a whole new thing. They invented this new weird thing called Zionism. That's yeah. what made all the troubles in the Middle right. East. Right. So, uh, and I think that that's part, a big part of uh, of also the confusion for our students, of yeah. how that fits into our overall Jewish story. Well, Zionism is the opposite yeah. of innovation. It's the return yeah. to the roots of Jewish national nation-state identity, right. which is what formed us. Look, I do not understand why Jewish education on the whole, I mean, I guess I understand how it evolved this way, but why they don't <laughs> think that Jewish history literacy is essential to Jewish identity. I, I don't get it. I mean... I don't get it in result. I get how it evolved. Diaspora education focused on religion and culture right. rather than history. Right. I understand. But it seems prima facie. If you want people to understand their national identity, they have to understand their nation. And the fact that Jews walk around with like almost no sense of understanding of the Jewish story of 3,000 years, it's a black hole. You know, even I'm talking about not, not distant Jews, but educated, involved Jews have no idea what happened between... You know, if they even know far enough in the Bible to know Jewish history, to, to understand the, the break of the kingdom. Jews have no, people I know, educated Jews, almost none have any real historical no. narrative that they, can, that they can give over. I learned with guys who went to Hezder, who yeah, yeah. in Israel, like Israelis who grew up in Hezder. Yeshiva educated. Yeshiva educated in Israel right. have no clue of the, of like the sense when Rambam was, when Rashi, when the Shulchan Aruch, when, I'm saying, meaning... So what does that mean? Does that mean that they can't identify right? the century or they can't put them on a timeline? They, I don't think they could put them on a, on yeah, a that timeline. Yeah, to me, that's the difference. In other words, knowing the years... No, is a level of expertise. No, I'm saying, but being able to know that the Rambam comes after the the Maccabean revolt and a sense no, of how that long. They could, no, that they that could that do. they could do. That, that because again, they very much know is like they they're very strong in in pre diaspora, right? Right, their Israeli education is very strong when it talks about I, history I, I don't in know some sense. Well, I, I don't know, whatever yeah, the whatever. educational problem. But the point is, is, is that most people certainly in the diaspora. Yeah. It's a black hole. Jewish history is a black hole. They know right. terminology. They've heard some names. They have no idea how they fit in relation to each other. And that level right. of ignorance is 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 disaster from an educator's perspective. It's a disaster. From a Zionist perspective, it means you don't know what we're doing here. Right. It's you don't get the endeavor. Because when, when I talk to adults, like friends who have made Aliyah, made the conscious decision yep. to come and live in this country. Yep. Or people I meet like a Rosh Shabbat meal or something, so what do you do? And I explain to them what I do. And then I explain to them what we teach. There's like this kind of like, oh, I, okay, that sounds interesting. And when you try to explain the value of it, they're like, okay, that's cool. But there's no like connection to it, right? There's no like, right. oh, maybe I don't know that. Maybe I need to find out for myself as well. There's just, there's, there's no... Uh, connection to the history. Well, we think these problems are essential. We, uh, you know, that, that and that's sort of why when you talk about what we do, people go, "That's nice." I think what we're not doing properly is identifying how bad this problem is. In other words, if you think that Israel connectivity and Jewish identity in the diaspora is under threat, and if the Israel role in their Jewish identity is not helping their Jewish identity, but if anything, it's sort of it's putting you know it's putting it's putting sand in the in the gears. And it's making things harder to move smoothly. Instead of lubricating their Jewish identity, it's causing tension. That's a disaster. That's so, you, you, so. How would you put in that? Most of surveys that come out today, right, by different uh, demographers, and, and have that Israel is a central part of Jewish not identity. Not for Gen Z. Not for Gen Z. 
that right. skews older. That's if you look at the Pew Research, and that's from 10 years ago already. Right. But the younger you go, the less they think Israel's connected. They just mm-hmm. don't. They just don't. You know, and birthright is meant to 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 change that and give and give people this booster shot of Jewish identity. I don't I don't know how well it's worked. I don't think it's working so well because this this younger generation sees it as a side thing. What is Israel doing for me and my identity? Well, it makes me feel awkward on campus. Okay, I also like to go there and I have family there or whatever. But that's 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 ridiculously unhealthy for the self image of a member of. You're part of a 3,000-year-old epic story, and you have no idea how to put that into context. You don't appreciate it. To a certain extent, I was actually tweeted that this week, but, but, but you, you, a Zionist— You, you is some, tweeted. I did tweet, uh, a, Jew is somebody who, a Jew is somebody who is part of— I don't remember the exact words, mm-hmm. but it was a Jew is somebody who is part of a 3,000-year-old epic national story. A Zionist is somebody who's aware of that. Right. I, I think we are robbing our children by not plugging them into that. And, 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 and it's not only a question of just like on a values level, it's a shame. At a strategic level, do we expect there to be a Jewish future in the diaspora? Are we working to keep the Jewish people connected? And, and do we expect to build a thriving Jewish future? Well, that's also part of the irony of this conversation, right? Because we're saying that people don't have a, an awareness of history, especially when they come to Israel or history of Israel. And yet on the same hand, it's being used as a, as a suggestion to connect them to the diaspora right. Judaism. So that there's an irony there, right? Yep. There's, there's sort of a disconnect. So we have to think about well, how, if you really educate people in a, in a very strong way about Israel and about Zionist history, what do you want them to do with that? Ah, right? And that becomes a shutdown where people go, well, then you guys shouldn't teach what you're teaching because ultimately you're promoting Aliyah and people don't want to make Aliyah. So you shouldn't be saying that. Well, I think we can all I, – I also don't think we have to be so black and white about that. I don't think we're expecting or preaching mass aliyah. No. But I do think we have to be honest about the Zionist story and what, what is actually going on in, in, in the world. But what does that do for, for a committed diaspora Jew? That's my question. It right? tells them the truth. Part of their identity. Yeah. Okay. But That's the start of a big Jewish story. The Jewish story has many branches to it. Mm-hmm. Today – Part of that branch has come back home to its, its thing, and, it, and it's becoming more and more central in the Jewish story, as we know, dem- demographically and culturally and everything. And it, it doesn't say you have to move here, but you should be – it is part of your identity and who you are. Look, Matt, you're saying you know that, that question is sort of funny. I have another question, which I think is, is an odd I, framing that disturbs me. I've often heard the debate, does Israel need the diaspora? Does the diaspora need Israel? I don't, I've never heard – You know, I doubt that in Italy – they have arguments about how many Italians should live in the diaspora to help Italy. Yeah, but that's I don't also, think, I don't they think have a different in, thing because you, you didn't have Jews, uh, sorry, Italians come to Italy to create Italy and everybody else stayed out and then they slowly trickled in. Well, actually, it, actually right? Italy did. <laughs> Italy did ha- didn't have a country and you had different districts of people who spoke Italian. No, I understand. And they got, and, and, but and, they didn't and, come from Russia to Italy. No, they didn't. So they so didn't move to do it. That's what I'm but, saying. But that's what, my point. But what Garibaldi did in the 19th century yeah, was but it's not so we have to have a rising conscious. I understand the the practical historical difference of to rebuild Israel required an enormous level of immigration, which Italy didn't. But the the from the I don't think that we articulate enough that from a Zionist perspective, the Dias it's it's not a it's a weird question. But before we even get into the discussion of does Israel need the diaspora, 
Why does why is there a Jewish diaspora still? That question now, okay, so we'll resolve it and we'll say uh, it now. And then the question is, what are the benefits of having a diaspora community? But needing does Israel need the diaspora is the wrong framing of the question. No nation needs a diaspora. Now it's true you're pointing out that because immigration is so difficult, that the level of immigration we we still have because immigration is required because we were so dispersed over two thousand years that our immigration level isn't matched to what it what it was hoped to be. Okay, so then what benefit can we use? How can we help each other in Israel and the diaspora? That's the question. It's a tactical question. But strategically, does Israel need the diaspora? No, no nation needs a diaspora. Finished. Beginning, middle, end. Now, what's the benefit of it? Well, there are things. If we're going to have a diaspora, and we are. Campaigning, lobbying. There's all sorts of, yeah. yeah. Money, support, all sorts of things. That are beneficial. If I'm going to have it, I'm going to use it. But let's not use the word need. Let's not treat this as a normal state of a national life. You're not happy. Nah, I'm not sure I agree. Okay, because? I'm not sure I agree. I think, um, again... By the way, I do agree with me. Are you sure? For the record. I want to make sure 100%. 100%. Excellent. I just... Oh, sorry. I just think that, that we, the Jewish people, part of... It is unique. That's what we know. There's a unique story that we came back after 2,000 years. We teach all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's completely unique. And maybe that's also part of our uniqueness is that we have a diaspora, a diaspora that is committed, a diaspora that is part of the people, a diaspora. We don't. We don't. Well, the numbers are showing we do not have a well-committed. We have a core of committed yeah. within the diaspora community. And by the way, we've always but had But overall, a diaspora. the diaspora community is not— right? no, Since the not. first— Since the, since the first—first of all, you— I mean, that ain't always, arguing, brother. Without arguing about the the tribes that didn't come into Israel, was that a diaspora? That's not uh, a thing. Uh, what? That's not a thing. What do you mean? That there is no historical evidence of tribes uh, that didn't come into. Okay, what? you're talking about moving God and Menashe. Yeah. No, no, that becomes Israel. Right. They annex uh, it. They annex it. They right? annex but, the Golan. But I'm saying it's really it's setting that's up, the that's the first annexation of the Golan. up the you know the sense that maybe not all no, no, Israel needs to be in no. in in the homeland. No, that is that becomes the homeland. That's the whole point of that discussion. That to be a nation means you can't. You it doesn't matter which side of the Jordan River you live on. You're one people, and if there's a fight, you're part of that fight. You can't say, well, we're over the river Jews. Right. We so are we're one an American Jewish Jews. people. I'm just saying. So we're American Jews, and we're part of that fight. We send we send supplies. We make sure that the American government's gonna, uh, you That's know, send what, an airlift of listen, weapons. First of all, you're dealing with a biblical story rather than a historical. No, I'm record. saying that. So I, that's first of all, but second of all, no, saying an idea. if you look at it as a biblical story, idea. the clear idea is there is nothing you do on the east on the west of the border that we will not do on the east of the border. We are the same. We are the same. And to conquer to conquer Judea means we will not settle our homes in the Golan until Judea is settled. None of us go home. We can't say, well, well, we'll just sit on our farms while you conquer Judea. We will leave our homes in the Golan. Right, I'm saying, so maybe there's a different way. We will not send way, money. Uh, nope, uh, nope, nope, nope. No, that's the whole point of the story. I don't know how you're reading the story. The, 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 what Moses says to them is. No, I understand. I'm, but, but I'm trying to look at You cannot right? do less than anybody else. You have to do the same as everybody else. There's one way of doing things, and you're in it. Well, then you're suggesting that the American community should be doing the same as the community in Israel. From the, not- from the way for, Zionism is, Zionism is the ultimately the attempt not to express the uniqueness of the Jewish people, but to express what is the most to make the Jewish people normal again. Now, of course, every nation is unique and every nation is special without getting into the Incredibles and if everybody's special, then nobody's special. But 
there is a special quality to different nations. French French culture is different than Italian culture, different than Mexican culture, different than Chinese culture. And those should be celebrated. And, and, and of course, we have many things that make, it, make us unique. And our contributions to the world are well out of proportion to our size. Our impact is greater than our than our history or demographics would would you know would imply. But Zionism is the attempt to get back to the root of us being a normal functional nation state, which we were. And it was never fixed after the first kingdom. The first kingdom fell and we've never been able to reestablish a normal kingdom. The the first attempt was ultimately the second what we call the second, second. temple period. But it's the second attempt at a kingdom, and we do. But you're right. There was an enormous diaspora community. This is our third so, attempt to build and maintain Jewish statehood in history. And, and Zionism says, you know, for it to work, oh, we have to normalize. Hashmonayim. That's the second. Yeah. Oh, third. Uh, third. I think it's the second. Right. This is the third. Right. This is the right. third. What the Hasmoneans put together in the second temple period is an so independent My, my problem is a little different. What's now, your problem? Bill? My problem is that I think um, that unless I, I'm starting to think of maybe this is a, a cynical phase I'm going through, but unless there's a threat, then people don't care all that much. Well, to engage. That's the problem behind the problem. Um, In other words, if ignorance and apathy yeah, are the no, problem, absolutely. then not being under, that. This is this is we haven't faced an assimilation threat like we have since probably Greece. Maybe you could argue Spain, but I don't think so. Medieval Spain was open, yeah. but the identity barriers were still pretty high up. Not since the Greeks in antiquity have we faced a massive I you know, loss I of Jewish think, identity. Like I don't think that today. was the threat you're talking about, no. was it? He was talking about a physical threat to Israel. Nahon. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Was, was, in other words, if you if you if you take down the barriers and you welcome us in and you show us a wonderful culture, Western culture, has ele- that, that's what the Greeks did. They showed us, a co- as opposed to the Babylonians who said, you can live with us, the Jews of Babylonia looked at the Babylonians and said, well, we'll live around you, but we don't want to be like you. Right. Then they met the Greeks and they were like, almost every other people on earth that were like, whoa, these guys are awesome. They're, they're offering things that we've never seen. Modernity means, wow, there's something better here that we can be a part of. And many of them uh, drifted away and said, well, the, I, I can replace I, I, many acculturated and said, I'm going to keep my minority identity, but take, but express it in, in the ways of the host culture. And many said, no, what do I need my minority identity? I'll just be part of the big world. And that's what, that's what we're seeing in the desperate many Jews. I, I, I'm not even, but, but, and I, I think, and I think it, it goes further, right? Is that they, that. The interest only, right? So therefore, their their interest in Israel is a religious interest, yeah, um, as a symbolic religious interest, yeah. And then, oh, okay, so religious now, cultural, yeah, yeah, religious cultural. Israel's now under a threat, so uh, okay, now I care, right, right, and now I can do something, and then it's not a threat. So By the way, the I mean, da- you know, if the diaspora community is under threat, they also and that, that's and also that, an, uh, right. uh, correct. Correct. You know, but, Pittsburgh gets American Jews very right. Gets them riled up and feeling connected. And and I'm seeing that in those who are the most connected. Also. Yeah. That what? That 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 same it's not right in other words those who are the most connected are students who come here. They see this as still a religious Disneyland. Mhm. And that's how they connect to it. Mhm. And they're not and that's 
really more or less what they wanted to connect to. And then for when Israel's in trouble, oh, my Disneyland is now under a threat. Mm-hmm. See, I, I would have characterized it as a different problem, and that was the problem I was going to bring up next, is the opposite of the threat problem is the Disneyland problem, mm-hmm. that that but, is the level of people's connection. Right, that's that, what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly it. Kosher so, McDonald's and buses so that therefore, say happy so holidays. Therefore, the only time that they really engage in actual Israel is when Israel's under threat. So therefore, the whole model of their of the story is actually a negative one, because it, it's a. In other words, there, there's the religious positivity, but that's not the story. Right. That's separate from but the you story. See, I, that I, I would you understand almost, what I'm saying. I, I do yeah. understand, but I feel like it's. I feel like the non-threat element is more of a threat in a way because of the superficial understanding or the superficial superficial appreciation of of the story here, which is kosher McDonald's and buses at Sechag Sameach on Shabbat. If that's your understanding of the of the Zionist enterprise and the Zionist history, that that's where we've come to, well, that's also a problem. Well, I, what I would say is the way I would frame yeah. what you guys are saying is, Alan is saying one prescription is put us under threat and watch them pay attention, watch it suddenly become relevant. Oy. Because what you're expressing about the you know the the Disneyland problem is sort of the problem I framed earlier. That that is a real ignorance and lack of understanding of what's going on. Right. Alan's saying possible prescription one. We need Iran to attack us, and suddenly the Jews will get passionate about Israel again. Uh, okay, I mean, no, no, you're I'm right. not saying that's a prescription. I'm Re- saying, well, I'm reframing what you're saying. I'm as, saying is it, as I'm saying is a description. I'm saying that that's what happens, and therefore the story of Israel ends up being a negative one. That's the problem. Well, the story you, you that understand? diaspora Jews like to tell about Israel is it's constantly in danger. Exactly. And, and we that's have to negative. rescue it. And that's negative. That's exactly yeah. my point. Right. So therefore, in our students, when we say our students It's the Israel in the shadow of the Holocaust story. Yeah. And the, and even our students connecting to Israel. Okay, so there's that positive channel. There's the negative channel of the world that gives it of like, oh, they're an oppressor. But then there's also an internal negative channel of Israel. Israel really needs our help, and it's all. And I only engage in it when there's rockets on State Road or something like that. Well, I would say so, there's another uh, uh, side to that problem, which is that I don't think I think that the, at least like in our generation, us old people, maybe not Matt, certainly not Ben, but but for many of us, there's that sense of uh oh, you know, what if a Holocaust happened here? Like we would need a place to flee, then we would have Israel, and I, I think to Generation Z, it's just that. not even. Ugh. Sorry, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. And I think in Generation Z it does exist. I don't, but I think that's Theodore. Her- I, I don't know I, why I do. you. I don't know why Theodore Herzl makes you vomit. <laughs> um, I believe that in Generation Z it does ex- it does exist to an extent. You think our kids feel like their their future in the diaspora is in peril, and that no. they'd like to know they have a place they could run? Yes. I don't think they think it's in power right now, but I think they think that if there was a situation, there's a potential where it was right, yeah. there's a potential. Well, abs- do, you, do you feel that? Absolutely. I mean, this is totally anecdotal, but I feel it more now. I mean, again, the, coming off that Pittsburgh thing was a bit of a shake for uh-huh. students. The Pittsburgh thing, and for my English uh, students, by the way, Jeremy Corbyn thing. No, okay, from Great Britain, right. the, Great Britain the, the Brits are talking about it. Yep. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. And, and plus, also, even after the Pittsburgh thing, we went around and talked with a lot of my students about how many of their shuls have police and armed guards in their shuls, which right. we never grew up with. Right, but it's America, so if you hire police and armed guard, we'll repel the anti-Semites and we'll be fine. No, but I'm saying, but that, uh, it, it's but a that shake. gave them a sense of their their Jewish identity is is a under source assault. of yeah needs to be defended and yeah. that if there was an, no, it's con- physically under it's right. physically and if, yeah. and if there was a continued attack right. and a continued assault Baruch Hashem there's Israel I can go there 
That, that I really do believe that, that, that you're no, doing... I don't know why that makes you nauseous. I, I, okay. I mean, I, I, some people want to make... I don't want to go into it now, but... Because he, makes... he wants people to come here as I to, yeah, to, right. to, to plow, plow the land. Uncomfortable. To plow the land. It makes me deeply uncomfortable. That's like saying somebody wants to make a living because they want to you know, be rich and have a villa. And some people want to make a living because they just want to have enough food to eat. One of them is good and one of them is bad. I, I There's different levels the of... Uh, I think you're doing me a disservice, but I... It does make me deeply uncomfortable. I think you're doing Theodor Herzl a disservice. Okay. Theodor Herzl said the that. reason Jews could live there is because they can't survive in Europe. Okay. So you're saying that's not, not a good enough reason. Okay. I'm saying it, in, in that time, maybe it was. But nowadays, it's a completely different situation. For the people in America who are doing just fine in their, in their big fancy houses and their big fancy cars and their big fancy this, to say, oh, I'm, I'm fine not being in Israel. I'm so comfortable not being in Israel. Oh, shoot. There's now suddenly a shooting in the synagogue. Oh, now I'm going to go to Israel. I, I find that horrible. I do. I'm sorry. I do. And I think it's different from Herzl because Herzl was a much more different cultural reality and different reality for the Jews than it is today. No, but that's exactly the point. American Jews aren't coming to Israel because they need a place to run because they're not under threat. Herzl's saying when you're under threat, you need a place to go. Right. But they are saying that they've got Once America becomes a place, if, God forbid, it happens that America becomes a place where Jews aren't safe and they start coming, that's not horrible. That's the point. No, but this idea of that's what there's their connection to Israel is based only on that idea I, I, I find very uncomfortable I do okay I'm not going to sit here lying to you I find it uncomfortable no, I can't unpack the emotions of that because I don't understand the logic of it because as, as Alan said I feel that Zionism and coming to Israel is based on something much stronger than oh I'm scared okay, if I'm scared ideally, I'll buy myself a gun and I'll, and I'll build a wall behind my eight bedroom mansion and I I'll... have to go to the doctor I should be smart and go to the doctor and I'm sick what happens is my wife keeps telling me go to the doctor well, go to the doctor so I go to the doctor because my wife bullied me into it but, but that's not the right reason to go. but I went well, to the doctor I, I will I will say in uh, you know that we do you know we often talk about and we're talking in this conversation about diaspora Jews but there's a huge problem of Zionist uh, ideology and commitment in Israeli Jews. It's not being educated um, to Israeli kids. Right. It's not being educated. No, that's, and I think that that's... Certainly a, the Israeli school system is not doing a good right, job of educating say, it, inculcating it. And, the army tries, but it's often And I think that that's what kind of Matt is trying to kind of say, like, you know, that... that that, and we and we see some serious problems in Israeli society because of the lack of understanding of the Zionist yep, ideology yep. and what we're doing here and all of those things. And Matt's kind of, I think that's what Matt's trying to get at. Like, I want you to be here because you're here for the Jewish story, that Jewish story. Not okay, just, I also want not that, just but I'm to, not going to uh, judge people for not getting it right away know. if they've never even been exposed to but it. They, but they're not get, that, that's the point. They're not going to get it. Even if they come because they're scared, they're not getting it as part of that Jewish story. But that's what that's the <clears throat> problem. That's not disgusting. That's the problem that educators need to fix. Now, we have a bigger okay. problem is that Jewish education doesn't have the reach that it needs to have to make serious inroads into dealing with this problem because most, certainly diaspora Jews, aren't receiving meaningful, deep Jewish education. And I'm not just talking about day school education. I'm saying supplemental school or summer camp. It's like or, under 10% receive that through no high education school. at all, right? Many I think Jews like 90% know. of Jews don't receive through, you know, the, the percentages till like bar mitzvah right. age are pretty low and then they drop. Right. So that that's a whole other problem. But at least among the well, people... Well, no, that's the problem, isn't it? That's it. That is the huge that problem the that problem. I, as a Jewish educator, don't know how to address. But at least within that but, 10% or so that we actually can contact, I do think that Israel educate the lack of Israel edu proper Israel education is a fundamental threat, I even agree. within that small minority. I agree. And my view on this has changed significantly over the last couple of years. But I still feel like if you're a diaspora... Jewish educator, which is obviously different from being a Jewish educator in Israel, 
and you only have so many so much time you have so many so much uh, interaction time with students and you only have so many resources to invest where are you going to invest those resources is, i understand how it evolved but now what we have problem? is a generation z that doesn't understand israel and gets negative input about israel doesn't know how to factor it so in is, is, so again i agree i think it's a problem but i can also understand why if you had a you had to decide either we want our kids to be able to lead a prayer service in temple or we want them to know about Zionist ideology. You can understand why ultimately the Jewish educator in diaspora would choose to to, to develop a generation of leaders for their are. community. By the way, I, no, no, no. But you're not going to maintain leaders of your community if you don't plug into the Jewish story. I, I agree ultimately, with you. ultimately, you're fighting a losing battle. If you want to make a difference, then you have to fill them with a sense of connectivity. By the way, you know who the who who is addressing it? Who? Um, in Israel programs are the high school um, long term programs, like yeah. the high school semester programs. Must uh, EIE, which yep. has a new name now, sorry, and Try from yep. Amer- from Ramah, they actually their core class is the Jewish story. Yep. In other words, they're not they're not learning Gemara, they're not learning right uh, really Bible so much of those kinds of things, but they are learning the span of Jewish history from you know the early days until t- now. Yeah, in, I mean Jewish educators way. are exactly saying that thing. Well, so. we can't prioritize Israel education. Okay, they're going to go out there in the world and they're going to get a, their Israel identity is going to be assaulted. And you're saying, well, but that won't have any impact on their Jewish identity. Well, that's the whole point. One why of won't it? Of, our, of, our of course program. it will. That's why we do what we do. Of course it will. So are you suggesting that the gap year programs should be focusing much more on the Jewish story as opposed to the yes. Jewish religious ritual and culture? Gap year, day school, supplementary school, all Jewish education has to bring the Jewish national story back into the forefront. And how much and how far, you're right, it's complicated. But but it has to be that we have to move that story back to the forefront, and we, and we have to. I, I, by the way, the adult educators don't know it. No, that's for sure. So yeah. so we have a real we have a real problem, and and institutions that can help address that I think are vital. I I, I don't look. Obviously, we're we're self congratulating, but <laughs> but no, no, really. I mean, I I don't think what we do is like a cool uh, bonus. I think it's core essential to to the Jewish future that Jewish education begins to take on these issues of the Jewish story, not only the three thousand year old story, but the last two hundred years and what. Agreed. I think it's I think it's essential if we're going to move forward in a successful way. Great. Yeah. As this is the teacher's lounge, uh, Alan and I have to leave to go and teach. All right. Well, at least we all agree that our jobs are good. <laughs> So that's good. The three of us agree. We do agree that that our job is the essential one. <laughs> yeah. Oh if well. If anybody would like to continue to support our endeavors, please send your checks too. <laughs> yeah. People do use checks anymore. I have no idea. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, thanks so much, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you, Michael. And, and I wish you a full shalema, a speedy recovery from your cold, because oh, I really, really am attention. concerned wow. about you. Thanks, I Matt. don't care. Yeah, Alan doesn't <laughs> care. And Ben's just worried he's going to catch it because he's next to me. Thanks so much to Engineer Ben for getting us through. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs>